Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. All right, quick break to give a shout out to our show's sponsor today, Fem Protein Powder. You can use code Strong Runner Chicks for 15% off your order. Fem is a plant based protein powder with minimal ingredients, easily digestible, and I absolutely love it, whether it's in overnight oats, pre run, uh, energy bites that I mix it into, or just your classic smoothie. It's delicious and just packs a ton of great plant based powder in it. So go to femproteinpowder.com and again, take 15% off your first order with code Strong Runner Chicks. Thanks so much and enjoy. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcome back, Strong Runner Chicks, to another episode of Strong Runner Chick Radio. Today I have with me Sarah Canny, who is the founder and uh, lead organizer of the Rise Run Retreat. Um, and that's how I first heard about Sarah and really thought that what she's doing is awesome and aligns really well with SRC and the community that we build and the work that we do to bring more women together to empower women in the sport of running. And um, so Sarah, just really excited to have you on today and would love for you to give a little bit of an intro and just, you know, share how you got started in running. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. Thanks so much for having me on today. And um, yeah, my, my journey to running, um, really kind of started, um, in my early twenties. Um, I never ran in high school or college, but, um, you know, played all kinds of sports. And, um, as I was sort of getting into my, um, sophomore year of college was just looking for like some sort of athletic outlet, you know, I was going to the gym, um, playing a few pickup basketball games, but that it just wasn't really cutting it for my competitive um, nature. And so um, I started to dabble in some some road running and um, really started with just trying to run around the block. Um, and um, yeah, and it kind of grew from there. I, I then um, set the goal of, of trying to run a marathon. That was like my first running goal. I skipped right over the 5k, the 10k and the half marathon. Um, <laughs> I've heard that story before. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I kind of thought that it would be like a bucket list thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, you, you know, I want to go scuba diving. I want to run a marathon or, you know, that kind of a thing. And I thought I would kind of do it and then move on, but I really got hooked, um, into, into running and, um, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. And it's, it's really become a part of my journey and kind of how the lens through which I look at and experience life. Oh, I really like that perspective, the lens through which you experience life. That's really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know, kind of putting it into context, where did you grow up and end up going to college? Yeah, so I grew up in New Hampshire, which is where I live now. Um, And of course, a lot of times when you grow up in one place, you never want to stay there. (laughs) (laughs) So I was pretty eager to get out of what I thought was a, you know, 
um, small town and um, boring small town with no no life to it. Um, and so I, I went to Syracuse University for my freshman year um, and ended up transferring back to the University of New Hampshire, which is about 15 minutes from where I grew up um, and my parents where my parents lived at the time and um, in some ways, transferring back felt a little bit like a failure, like I'd given up on on what I had wanted to do. And that's that's kind of intertwined a little bit with um, my struggle with an eating disorder. Um, you know, my reasons for coming back home were very much linked to to that and trying to to get better, um, trying to recover. Um, but yeah, so I, I ended up at, at the University of New Hampshire and um, uh, have really, apart from a, a, a four-year stint in Arizona, um, have lived in New Hampshire ever since, and um, it's a it's a great place, and I love it here. So I can't imagine living anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, just really neat that you uh, you were able to have that time in Arizona too to experience something different. But I I can relate to that feeling of wanting to eventually find a home or come back to where your roots are, mm -hmm. and so. Um, with that, you know, we do, we also have a lot of listeners who are in college or maybe about to go off to college and trying to figure out life and maybe making, I was a transfer student as well and know that that can be kind of tough at times. Um, so yeah, did you, do you have any advice for someone that might be going through that transition right now, whether it's a move or, you know, trying to figure out where they want to be next and, you know, what the right move is there and how you, how you came to that decision? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think it can be really difficult, especially if you um, are kind of a type A perfectionist personality, which I am very much. And, um, you know, so for me, I felt like at least sort of my perception coming out of high school um, as a young adult was that everything had to sort of match, everything had to line up, everything had to transition sort of perfectly and seamlessly. Um, and you know, that, that the progression would be from, you know, high school to college to career, um, you know, potentially another degree beyond that, you know, I wasn't quite sure, but that, you know, each thing had to sort of very neatly, um, you know, come after the next, the, you know, the neatly sort of stack up, I guess you could say. And, you know, so in, just in terms of um, looking now that I'm able to look back and have the perspective of um, 20 years, <laughs> looking almost, almost 20 years, looking back, um, you know, I think that, you know, my journey has, has taken so many turns and has been winding and twisting and up and down. Um, and in each aspect of my journey, I can see that I've gained experience and wisdom and um, understanding. Um, and so I think early on, it felt like a huge failure to me to have to transfer because it was the sort of ending of one path that I thought I was going to be on for four years um, and transitioning to a new path. And and to me, that that felt um, like I was letting myself down. That I was letting, um, you know, the some of the generous scholarships I'd received. I was letting them down. You know, I just mm -hmm. I felt like I was letting a lot of people down yeah. by making this this move. Um, 
you know, ultimately it was the most important thing for, for my mental and physical health. Um, and, you know, some really amazing things came out of that transition and that, that decision, including, you know, I, I met my then boyfriend, now husband, um, of we've been yeah. together for almost 20 years. Um, so, you know, some really good things came out of it, but, you know, I think my, my biggest, um, my biggest takeaway is that, um, you know, struggle, anytime you're struggling or anytime you have to kind of backtrack or anytime you, you know, in air quotes fail, you know, it's, it, you know, those things aren't necessarily a sign that, that you are a failure or that you failed in what you're doing. Um, they're just, they're just aspects of, of your journey. And, um, you know, I think we're each a work in progress. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Transitions and steps forward and backward. And so. so true. Yeah. And now to see you as an entrepreneur who's had your own business or businesses for a long time, I imagine there's been a lot of that, like twisting and turning and winding and kind of changing directions based mm -hmm. on the world and what happens and, you know, COVID. So yeah, that's definitely a really good lesson to remember. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, just one way to kind of take take the scenic route um, mm -hmm. and keep yeah. things interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'd also love to know because you you also, in addition to running, competed and took bronze at the 2020 World Snowshoe Championships, and you've hosted a snowshoe camp, which I hope it went well. I think that was recent, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so snowshoeing, I would love to know where that came into play and you know, where some of those first, maybe someone listening that's never tried snowshoeing, how does that intertwine, if at all, with running and, and what it's taught you about life? Yeah, so I found snowshoeing, I, I feel like it was kind of by accident, um, because, you know, I, it was really sort of my early 30s that I started to snowshoe run. Um, and as I had, you know, mentioned before, I had started to to, um, you know, show up for road races. Um, you know, I did that marathon and then started to, to compete in local five K's and 10 K's and I was getting more competitive. Um, and I think, you know, I went through about, I don't know, four or five years of where I was improving every year and kind of getting more and more competitive with myself and sort of locally on the local running scene. And, um, as that was happening, I was getting so focused on, on pace and workouts and running was kind of losing its joy really. And, and sort of the, what I loved about it when I first started and I signed up for a snowshoe race in the middle of the winter. Cause you know, I, I felt like, first of all, it was, it was such a snowy winter that year that it was really hard to get out on the road and I didn't have a gym membership. And so I didn't have access to a treadmill and, um, you know, I just felt like I needed something to, to pass the time because winter tends to be kind of long here in New Hampshire. So, yeah. um, so I showed up for the race and, um, with really no expectations and had you snowshoed a lot before? No. 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 Oh, wow. <laughs> no, so go to a I, race. That's incredible. Um, I mean, I'd been out on some, some walks with yeah. on snowshoes, uh -huh. but nothing, nothing intense or anything like okay. that. And so I, sh I showed up and, um, it was a, a night race. And so you had to have a headlamp and, um, it kind of 
the trail kind of went through the woods and it was snowing at the time of the race. So there are all these components of it that were just like so unique. Um, and I loved the experience and I loved that, you know, basically when you're running on snow, um, all of your sort of perception of pace and effort and um, is so different than road running. Um, it's so much more difficult and, and um, hard that, you know, I couldn't really compare it to anything I'd ever done on the roads. And so for me, that just helped me be in my body and be in the moment and actually sort of push myself to what I was the most capable of. And and I think that's probably why I've had so much success with snowshoe running and not so much success with road running is because I'm able to, because I'm not too much in my head, I'm able to kind of tap into the depths of like the effort that I'm able to give and um, in a race. And um, yeah, so I just, I kind of fell in love with it and I've been doing it for, um, for a while now and um, had the chance to compete in a few world championships, um, some national championships wow. and it's um it's been really fun that's so cool i didn't even know they had world championships for snowshoeing i've yeah, admittedly I tried it a couple <laughs> times i actually found it quite frustrating because you're moving a lot more slowly i didn't try running in snowshoes but walking in them compared to like cross-country skiing or running trail running even you know so that takes a lot of um probably resilience and stamina to be able to run in snowshoes yeah, I think it's it's kind of, um, you know, for anyone who's wanting to get into the sport, I think going in without any expectations is, is mm -hmm. a great way to start and just um, just focus on enjoying being out in, in nature and being in the effort um, are, are really kind of the, the main points to, to getting into it. And um, you know, you can, can find a way to enjoy it. It is incredibly difficult, but <laughs> yeah, if you like that kind of type two fun, then <laughs> it might be for you. Definitely. Do you still incorporate snowshoeing then into your training and how, you know, do you advise that for anyone listening that is into some snow sports in addition to running? Yeah. I mean, if you live in a, a place where there's winter and there's snow, um, it, it's an amazing thing to incorporate into your winter training just because it does build leg strength um, and core stability. Um, it's also just really fantastic for cardiovascular endurance. Um, you know, anytime you're going out on snowshoes, it, it's going to feel like 10k 5k effort because it it just takes so much more energy um to to get yourself through the snow and it totally depends on the snow conditions as well but um yeah it's a it's a fantastic cross training tool during the winter and in terms of how often i get out it really just depends on what kind of snow we have and we had a pretty good winter here in new hampshire so i was able to get out probably more than i ever have in in a while um yeah, a couple times a week, which was really awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. And now you're doing, I heard you had at least one clinic. Do you know if you'll do any more? Yeah. So I hosted a snowshoe clinic um, at the beginning of this month, um, really as a way to um, just wanted to create an entry point for women into the sport. That was sort of a no pressure, uh, low intimidation factor um, experience because 
a lot of, for a lot of people, just like, you know, my own experience, the first time you get out on snowshoes is often a race, um, you know, uh, because the, the running snowshoes tend to be pretty expensive. And so if you're not sure that you're going to get into the sport, you kind of want to maybe test it out first. And, and one of the only ways to do that is to sign up for a race. Um, and so I wanted to, to really create something where, where people could come without that pressure of a race and sort of, um, sort of the nerves of a, of a race mm -hmm. and, um, just be able to try it out with, with, with no expectation, with the bar really low. And, and just the, the, the main point of the whole thing was just to have fun and just get comfortable being out on the snow and be in, you know, putting on the snowshoes, taking off the snowshoes. Like, how does it feel when you run uphill? How does it feel when you run downhill? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah just kind of going through all the motions. So, that if anyone who attended the clinic wants to run a race, they at least have, you know, some experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And I encourage anyone to go to Sarah's site and we're going to get into Rise Run Retreat, which is another big part of what you do. So um, I'd love to know how you initially started Rise Run and, you know, what it is for those that have never heard of it before and maybe how that goes along too with your coaching and run Farco. Yeah. So I started Rise Run Retreat in 2015. Um, it kind of was inspired by an experience that I had had. Um, at that time, I'd been blogging for a couple of years and um, I was invited to be part of um, a, like a blogger experience. We were, we ran hood to coast, which is the relay. Oh, that goes cool. Yeah. yeah. I live well out by that. And yeah, that's on a bu cool. my bucket list. Yeah. So yeah. And it was so fun. And we kind of got the red carpet rolled out for us. Um, you know, of course we were supposed to be like blogging about our experience at the time and documenting everything, but um uh -huh. It was, you know, we got this amazing swag bag and we were, you know, treated really well. And, um, and, and really like the heart of it was that I met 12 other women and was in a van with them for, for the relay and became really close with all of them and had this connection, this really deep connection. And it actually came at a time in my life where, you know, I just, I'd had a really difficult year. Our, our son, Jack was born with a congenital um, birth defect. And um, we had just dealt with like a whole year of, of him being in and out of surgery as an infant and just kind of dealing with his medical issues. And it had just been a really stressful year. And so this experience actually kind of came as we were coming out of all of that and, and he was fine and everything was getting resolved with his health. I had this experience sort of at the end of that. And I think what it taught me was, well, I mean, first of all, I just felt so encouraged and supported by all the other women who I was with. Um, and, and that just sense of camaraderie was so empowering. Um, and I also just sort of tapped into a confidence and a strength that I didn't really know was inside me. Um, I think sometimes when you go through a really difficult, stressful year, you just sort of get into survival mode and you forget a little bit about who you are and what you're capable of. Um, and that experience sort of unearthed these parts of me that I think had, I had sort of just not really cultivated. And I walked away from that, um, you know, thinking like, first of all, like, how do I do that again? Cause that was amazing. Um, 
And then, you know, the other aspect of it that I, I kept thinking about was like, okay, so this is like an invitation only thing. Like it was just pretty exclusive to people who had blogs. And um, so it planted a seed of like, how can I, how could I repeat this experience? But also how could I make something like this more accessible to women who don't have a blog or don't have a social media following or a platform or whatever, and just want this kind of an experience. And so- yeah. Um, yeah, so really Rise Run Retreat was kind of born out of that was wanting to create a place where women feel empowered, they feel connected, and they sort of relearn who they are and tap into strength and confidence that maybe have been sort of pushed down and, and not really cultivated because they're, they're busy pursuing careers or raising families or, you know, doing everything for everyone else. And so Rise and Retreat really is an opportunity to step away from all of that um, and kind of give your your running self and yourself a chance to, to really sort of blossom and flourish, so. I love that. And I also love hearing your kids in the background. They sound so happy. Yeah, <laughs> Just in, faintly in the distance. It's not taking yeah. away, but sometimes yeah. my dog will come through the room and have like his little uh, collar leash and you can kind of hear his jingling. So oh, nice. it's always cute oh, when yeah. you get the, the kids in the back yeah. and that adds yeah. to it too, because you're talking about, you know, juggling, being a mom, being a parent, um, you know, taking care of yourself as well and making yourself a priority. I think that's so key at any stage of life. Uh, so what did that first experience look like with Rise Run? I, you know, I can somewhat relate with, I think I had reached out back in 2018 with our first retreat and there was like definitely, you know, kind of a feeling of who am I to do this? And you've talked a little bit about imposter syndrome and kind of getting over those mindset hurdles to even host an event like this. So um, yeah, just maybe let us in on how you came to think, you know, I can do this and this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always that fear whenever you're about to to take a leap into something new or different or bigger than than what you've currently been doing and you know I think for me it was um just thinking like if I if I don't do this and somebody else does it instead I would I would (laughs) feel like a lot I would just feel a lot of regret like I let this Mm -hmm. opportunity pass me by and um you know, and I, so I started to, to put together the plan and I had a friend who was doing it with me. Um, and so having her support and encouragement was kind of uh, knowing that I wasn't in it alone was helped me get over that initial hurdle. Um, and, um, you know, so if you can, like, if you're headed into huge, something, yeah. You've got, yeah, a friend that you can do it with, it can, it can be huge in terms yeah. of actually like taking that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, um, you know, it's just a combination of, of just trying to tell myself that, um, that if it was meant to be, then it would the pieces would fall into place and, and the pieces kept falling into place. And so I felt like, you know, if, if the door's open, I'm going to walk through it. Um, and, um, so I think that's kind of what initially, initially got me started. And then there were little points of like encouragement along the way, obviously, um, you know, there's always like some difficulties and struggles, Mm -hmm. but there was, 
the the encouragement and sort of the way forward, you know, outweighed the um, the setbacks. So, yeah. Now, what did life look like at the time, like in terms of your own career? We didn't even get into what you majored in in college or where your career path went and also, you know, your family life at the time. How did that look? Yeah, so um, I, I did. I majored in English teaching and I was a high school English teacher for a while. And um, when I um, had my second child, I transitioned to staying at home. Um, uh, and at the time when I started the retreat, I was staying home pretty much full time and, um, had started my blog. I'd been blogging for about, um, two or three years at that point, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I had actually just had my third child in May of 2015. So it was that fall. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I kind of spent the, the months leading up to when he was born, organizing and pulling things together. And then over the summer, just kind of pulling together the, the final pieces of the retreat. And then we hosted the retreat in October. So, and he was actually there the first, the first two days he, he was there Aww. with us. Um, and, um, and then my husband came and got him for like the last couple of days, but, um, yeah, there's a really sweet picture from one of the, the first retreats where he's napping in his little uh, RC and his toes are, toes are sticking out from underneath the blanket. And, but yeah, so he, yeah, was, he wow. was there at the first one. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think you had said you might've had some entrepreneurial experience. I'm going to butcher this, but was it weddings or flower arrangements or am I yeah. totally off? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. That was one thing. I've done so many different things. So when my husband and I moved out, to Arizona, I, I taught for a little while. And then I was in a, a school, a charter school situation that the charter school wasn't doing real financially. And I just like had to get out of there. It was not very well run or organized. And so I spent, um, like a couple years waitressing and nannying and like trying to come up with business ideas. <laughs> and, um, so I started a business out there. Um, and then, you know, in 2008, we actually, you know, the financial collapse happened and we moved back to New Hampshire. Um, and when we moved back, I started, um, doing, um, some floral arrangement floor, uh, wedding floral design and things like that. Um, I did that for a little while and I dabbled in a bunch of different things while my daughter was little, um, then went back to teaching for a little while. So, you know, I've kind of like talk about like a path that's not linear. Um, yeah, I've done a bunch of different things, just trying to, um, figure out what I was meant to do. And I think that's one thing when I first started Rise Run Retreat, um, I, I love the planning aspect of it and I love the hosting and aspect of it. So there's just so, so many aspects of the retreat itself that felt so right to me. Um, and I felt so happy doing them that I think, um, you know, I realized like this is, you know, and I, I think the other thing too, is that I was willing to fight through the most difficult parts um, mm -hmm. to keep it alive and keep it going. And I what think are that's some funny. of those? If yeah. you don't mind sharing, <laughs> like for someone oh, that yeah. maybe just getting into this world of hosting an event or starting yeah, a business. I mean, the, the most difficult part is, um, is, is filling your, your retreat after you've been doing it for a while. So, you know, obviously the first year it's new, it's exciting. You get a lot of people signed up. 
Um, the second year, you still get a little carryover of some excitement. It's the third, fourth, fifth years that are really hard when it comes to occupancy and filling your retreat. Um, and so that honestly has been the most challenging um, because you kind of, in terms of you booking your event space and um, your, your guest speakers, you kind of take a leap of faith that you're going to have the enough yeah, participants definitely. that you're going to be able to cover your costs. And so, you know, obviously if you don't get enough people registered, that puts you in a pretty difficult position. And so I think for me, balancing the budget and trying to figure out the, the financial piece has been the most challenging, um, especially in these later years. Um, now that we've been around for a while, um, that that's been, that's been a challenge for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Definitely um, understandable. And yeah, budgeting and finance was not initially my forte when I got into this. So there's a lot, a big learning curve there uh, to host and thinking about all the expenses that go into it. And sometimes people will look at an event and be like, oh, that sounds expensive, but there's so much that they're getting out of that experience and so much time and energy and effort that you're putting into it. So and this is, um, I wanted to highlight too, now this is your full-time job, right? Or Rise Run is essentially full-time? Yeah, it pretty much is. And it's, yeah. you know, I, I also do sort of a bunch of other things as well. But um, yeah, Rise Run Retreat is, is kind of the primary thing right now. Yeah. And the, and, and really the communities that have, uh, that have come out of that as well. Mm-hmm. For anyone that's looking to start a community, I've talked to some women that, you know, maybe have just started a running club or an online space, and they're kind of looking for that next step or looking to get in. And I know you do some business coaching too. So this is maybe giving you a shout out there um, to check that out for anyone listening. But, you know, what maybe are a few key pieces of advice or anything maybe you do differently, just looking back um, for someone just getting started and kind of going, you know, I'm not sure if this could be something part-time or full-time or how to run my first event. Do you have any places you'd start? Yeah. I mean, I think I would start with your mission and your vision. I think laying a a really um, strong foundation of, you know, why are you doing this? Who is it for? What's it for? Um, Just really answering those questions for yourself. And, you know, when I say mission and vision, a lot of times people think, oh, I'm writing this so I can publish it on my website, or it can be on my about me page. And honestly, it's really more for you. you, you know, writing these things down and really clarifying for yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Um, is incredibly important because whenever I go through a difficult patch in terms of um, just maybe a setback in the, in the business, or I've launched something that's failed or whatever it might be, I lean back on my mission and my vision. And that's what, um, that's what keeps me going when it's difficult. So if you can lay that groundwork of um, really establishing, you know, why, why you're doing what you're doing, um, I think that's that's an important first step. And then from there, I think um, just showing up, being con- showing up for your community, being consistent, um, that's incredibly difficult. I'm sure you understand as a podcaster, mm-hmm. <laughs> just in terms of putting out <laughs> yeah. consistent episodes, like sometimes the showing up is actually really hard. And um, and I think it's it's your community needs to know that you're invested mm-hmm. and that you're going to be there and that you, aren't just going to set up a framework and get tired and it get hard and then walk away. 
Um, and so I think yeah. that that trustworthiness with with you that they can have with you um, is really important in, in establishing a strong community. Um, and I think, you know, I think authenticity is, is, can be so overused right now. Um, mm -hmm. but I think being willing to be vulnerable, um, is really important. Um, and sharing, um, sharing your journey, um, you know, and, and being open and honest with your community, I think it's really important too. So. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I think those are all really relatable and tangible tips that someone can think about and especially authenticity. I mean, I know it it's an overused word, but really showing up, sharing your truth and not being performative, you know, like mm -hmm. being authentic, raw, real is really, really uh, mm -hmm. just kind of uncommon sometimes these days. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so you've talked a little bit, I have seen you did a, um, a webinar or a workshop with Allison Desir about knowing your worth and, you know, um, back to like imposter syndrome and, you know, being type A or kind of identifying as a perfectionist in some ways. How have you, if at all, and maybe this is kind of a tough question to answer, but, you know, how do you kind of balance that as, as someone who is really high achieving, wants to do your best, and also at the end of the day, knowing that there are going to be quote unquote failures, however we define those, if they're really failures uh, throughout entrepreneurship or throughout your, your running journey? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, um, and this is something that, you know, probably maybe comes out of the fact that I'm an English major, I don't know. But um, for me, telling myself stories, um, sort of teaching myself that I'm capable is the way that I deal with um, self-doubt and fear. Um, and, and I do that by um, really by journaling um, in oftentimes a very like distinct way. And so actually very recently, um, just kind of dealing with some depression and anxiety that's sort of bubbled up that, you know, that's, that's all sort of that was part of my past and, and is kind of intertwined with my journey. But, um, whenever that comes up, um, you know, what I, what I try to focus on is like telling myself stories of, you know, true stories of, times in my life where I've been brave or courageous, or I've been lucky or successful mm. yeah. or dreams that I've had or goals that I've had have been realized, um, or times where I've been persistent. Um, and so actually like re rewriting those for myself in like a narrative form, um, is, is super helpful for me. Cause then it's this practice of like giving, basically finding evidence, yeah. truth, truthful uh -huh. evidence to prove to myself that I'm actually capable, that, that I'm worthy, that my dreams aren't unrealistic, um, that I'm, you know, I'm able to achieve those things. So I think for me, that's probably the biggest way that I deal with sort of imposter syndrome, you know, doubt, fear, those types of things. So yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing. I definitely can relate to that. And it just seems sometimes like we, you know, we're our own worst critics and we are the stories we tell ourselves in a way that quote always hits me. And I think, you know, we can, 
just in terms of successes, it seems like a lot of times, especially as women, we kind of overlook our successes or they're very fleeting in nature. Um, and then we, we get really hard on ourselves and at least speaking for myself here, but you know, I think that's really helpful to remind yourself of the evidence that exists that you are worthy and yeah. Um, inherently. Yeah. Um, I also, what were you going to say? Yeah. I just think that's so true. Just, especially with sort of like the type A a high achiever mentality, Mm -hmm. there's a temptation to think that what you have achieved is maybe not enough, like that, that, that enough. And Uh I think sort of going back and, and, and looking at that and seeing what kind of story are you telling yourself about the achievements you have accomplished, like, and, and sort of proving to yourself that they, that they have been enough and finding some sort Mm -hmm. of contentment within that, um, I think is important as well. This was a question I was curious about. So I I listened to Finding Mastery with Michael Gervais and Mm -hmm. he recently had a new author on, I'll have to put it in the show notes, but he wrote a book about uh, talking to ourselves in the third person. So on that note, I was wondering if you do journaling or talking to yourself as like Sarah, blah, 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 or do you say I am this? Because I I don't know, in like hard races or moments, I actually have found myself just being like, Megan, you got this, you can do this. And talking to myself in that way has actually been so helpful to kind of like not identify with that pain you're going through in a race or a hard moment. So, yeah, it's, it's so interesting that you, that you brought that up. Cause actually I was using, um, third person in my journal this morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and I, um, you know, and the, the phrase that I was, that I was using was look, Sarah, see, and like, and then I would like at the end of each paragraph, that's what I was writing was like, look, Sarah, see, you were, um, you were brave or like, look, Sarah, see, oh, you were resilient. Like um, and so I was kind of going through this exercise of, of writing out these memories of when I was brave and resilient. And then at the, that, that final sentence of the paragraph was, was in third person. Um, so I've definitely used it in journaling, um, for sure. have used it as mantras, like during, during races and things like that. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, so talking to myself like that and <laughs> conversely, also like it usually happens in the kitchen. Like if I'm doing so, like I make a mistake or with a recipe or like drop something, my <laughs> kids will tell you, cause they've heard me say this. I'm like, Oh, Sarah, <laughs> you know, so it's yeah. interesting because it can go both ways, but for the so most true. part, yeah. Just trying to speak yeah. to myself with, with this like positive reassuring, um, voice. Yeah, I love that. Um, I found what it was called. I had to know. Dr. Ethan Cross wrote a book called Chatter, The Voice in Our Head, Why It Matters and How to Harness It. So that sounds really good. Really neat book. I'll make sure to follow up with you on that. And anyone listening, check it out. That's on my reading list. So um, let's see. So we talked a little bit about, you know, adapting COVID. I would love to know too, as a as a mother or as a parent. And, you know, for any moms or parents out there listening, how do you kind of strike this? And I put balance in air quotes because I don't know that we ever have life balance, but how do you kind of strike these seasons of life between like having your own business and also taking care of your family and home life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it certainly helps to have a, a really supportive partner, which I do, um, which is amazing. Um, but I think... Um, just, I think it's really important to understand that you can't, 
multitask really like you can't you can't parent and work at the same time you can't um you know it just I think recognizing that if you're trying to multitask nothing is going to get the best the best version of you um and so I'm pretty clear with um boundaries in terms of you know when I'm working and when I'm working you know I say to my kids mommy is unavailable and uh, sometimes I might be in the same room as, as them. I might be sitting at the dining room table, or sometimes I might be, I might go into another room and close the door. Um, but, and if I get interrupted, I just remind them like mommy's unavailable right now. So, you know, just having some pretty firm boundaries, obviously my kids are at the age where they're, they're five, eight and 11. So I can say that it was very, very different when they were smaller. Yeah. So that, that didn't work. I didn't even like, that wasn't even a concept to me when they were littler. Um, but I would say that now that my youngest has potty trained, my bandwidth for work has expanded when he, when I had little, little ones who were breastfeeding and potty training and all that stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I motherhood was so intense that I really didn't have the bandwidth to grow a business. And, um, and so I think it's just kind of recognizing that there's, that there's a seasons for different things. And, um, you know, I would say that, um, you know, just trying to, you know, be in one thing at one time, I know that's incredibly hard to do, but, um, I think that the more that you can sort of, um, give your, give yourself to just one thing at a time, the, the better you'll feel just in terms of not being so frazzled. Um, but also, um, just, you know, recognizing that in one particular moment, it's, it's not really about balance. It's about, you know, being present for that thing. Yeah. I think that's really good advice on the presence and being fully in the moment. Um, are there any in sort of like, do you do time blocking or anything for scheduling wise, you know, especially because having your own business, right. It's not like you need to clock in at a certain hour, but how do you kind of hold yourself accountable and also allow yourself that flexibility from day-to-day life? Yeah. So I, I would say for me, the, the, sort of leaning that I have is to always be working, always be producing, always be efficient and achieving and all of those things. So for me, actually, the the prioritization, like in terms of keeping myself accountable and sort of actually putting some intention to, behind it has to be in my connections with my family and my relationship with my family. Because if I were left to my own devices, I would probably work all day, right? Mm-hmm. So um so for me, it's, it's more about closing the computer, you know, putting thing, putting work down and actually choosing to go and be with my family. So I don't do any kind of fancy time blocking or bullet journaling or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. I just, um, you know, I kind of do a brain dump at the, at, on Sunday, like Sunday morning, I kind of do a brain dump about the week ahead, schedule out the important things, try to, you know, think about how the flow of each day, Um, and then I, I think of like, well, what are the, the three like high priority work things that need to happen this week? Mm -hmm. Um, and try to figure out what days those are going to get done on. And then from there, like make a list of, well, it'd be great if these 20 other things also got done, but (laughs) these, these three are the top priority. So that's kind of how I approach my week. And, 
Um, yeah, but for me, I think that it's, it's the closing the computer and stepping away from work. That's a lot harder than, than sort of, you know, getting myself to get, you know, get work done. So, yeah, I really like that. Uh, and then for anyone listening to that's interested in business coaching, are you still doing that month to month or can someone hop in on that? Yeah. So I, I offer, um, one-on-one business coaching, but I also have a, a community of, um, of people who are kind of each pursuing their own, um, entrepreneurial dream. And, um, that's called the runpreneur Academy. And that's really designed for people in the running space who have started their own business. So that includes running coaches, dietitians, nutritionists, um, sports psychologists, you know, we have a whole range of, um, different, sort of entrepreneurial solopreneur, um, people in that group. Um, and it's really just about support and education. So each month I I teach on a different topic and then we have phone calls that provide support and just kind of round table discussion. Um, and that's been a lot of fun to, to be a part of and also see, you know, going back to our conversation of like, well, how did I, how did I get out over that hurdle of starting rise run retreat? Um, it's been neat to see some of these people in the Runpreneur Academy have the support of this group to kind of get over that hurdle to be able to launch a new thing or host a new event or, you know, kind of step out into something that they've been thinking about, but haven't take ac- taken any action on. Yeah, so, that's um, really neat. Fun. Yeah, awesome. And then in terms of what else is upcoming for Rise Run, any, um, I guess, preview of what is to come this year? Yeah, so we have a virtual, our second virtual retreat of the year coming up April 16th through the 18th. And we have three fantastic guest speakers. Um, Dr. Michelle Clear is a sports psychologist and mind training expert. So she's going to be joining us along with um, middle distance runner, Sarah Vaughn and um, UFOS brand educator, Linda Jaros, who's also going to be walking our group through some breathing exercises. She's a certified holistic health coach and licensed massage therapist. She's got some great things for the group as well. So yeah, yeah, we have three amazing women who are going to be sort of giving their expertise and inspiration to the group. So that's in April. Um, And then coming up in October, we're actually hosting an in-person retreat here in New Hampshire. And we currently have five spots left. Um, and so that's, that's going to be, uh, yeah. yeah, coming up. Oh, in fall and October sounds beautiful in New Hampshire. Yeah. It'll be yeah. right, right around the peak fall foliage. So yeah. it'll be really beautiful. Very neat. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to release this before April 16th. So people can sign up for um, a few weeks prior that's coming up. So looking forward to, to hearing more about it. So um, we just have a couple more questions. Our final two here. Um, One is looking back, what advice would you give to your like college or early 20s self? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think the biggest thing that I would say to myself is like, um, you don't see the whole picture right now, but the pieces will fit together. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the message that I would give her. I like that. Um, Lastly, what does being a strong runner chick mean to you? Yeah, I think it's daring to dream really big. 
um, and having the the persistence to show up every day um, pursuing that dream um, even if you even if you keep falling short. Ooh, that's I love hearing people's definitions. Thank you. That's really powerful. Um, thanks again for joining us for the show. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about or anything you want to like shout outs or, you know, ways that people can connect with you personally? Yeah. So, um, people can find me on my website, which is sarahcanny.com. They can find rise run retreat at riserunretreat.com. And I'm probably most active on Instagram and my handle is at sarah.canny. Awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't ask you about your, um, oh, what is it called? Something I've never been on before. Uh, not a treadmill, not a, I, oh, I saw my you got like a, <laughs> yes, you're a lift to go. Like yeah, lost yeah. the word, never been on one of those, but they look really fun. So I've been following and seeing your, your adventures on the elliptico. Yeah. It's, it's been such a great cross training tool and, and such a fun toy as well. So I enjoy getting out on it and, um, it's, it's also been great to have up on the trainer through the winter here as well as oh, just, you know, one more option. So it's been fun. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks again, Sarah, for joining us. This was a great, uh, conversation. I really enjoyed it and was, uh, I'm glad that we're able to shed, shed more light on all the great work you're doing. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the strong runner chicks radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.